kicking off episode 169 of Monster Kid Radio with the Surf Zombies. This is the song Torque Fest from their album Lust for Rust. You can find them on Facebook or you can find them here on Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show this week. It's 169 episodes so far. We aren't stopping anytime soon, especially when we have awesome guests lined up like Roger Cook, Rondo award-winning artist, Roger Cook. And yeah, he spells his name the same way I spell mine, and he pronounces it the same way. No relation. Anyway, we got Roger here on the show, and Roger's somebody that I've been friends with on Facebook for quite some time, and I passed him briefly at Monster Bash. He's an artist. Like I said, he's a Rondo award-winning artist, and he's constantly putting up new pieces of artwork on Facebook for people to check out. There's actually a book out there now called Roger Cook, A Life in Pictures, and again, his last name is K-O-C-H. You can get it on Amazon. It's a collection of some of his best artwork. David DeChamp put it together with Roger providing the artwork. You can find that on Amazon or you can go to monsterkidradio.net and click on the link at the top. It reads Amazon Store. Pretty easy. I'm going to make sure the book's available there in what we call the Monster Kid Radio Laboratory. That's where you can buy things through Amazon and we get like a penny or two back. So you're supporting the show and you're getting your hands on some awesome Monster Kid Radio approved merchandise. Now before we get to Roger, I want to tell you a little bit more about the website over at monsterkidradio.net. Here's where you're going to find everything you need to know about the show between episodes. I'd mentioned that I met Roger on Facebook. Well, we have a link to our Facebook group where Monster Kid Radio listeners are having conversations between shows. We also have a link to our Live 365 internet radio station. This is where you're going to get to hear music and sounds from movies from the 30s through the 60s, monster movies, trailers, things like that. It's a lot of fun for me to put together. I hope it's a lot of fun for you all to listen to. We also have our contact information out here. Our email address is Monster kidradio at gmail.com and we have a voicemail line 503-479-5657 that's 503-4795-MKR and I'd like to kick off this episode with some feedback we got an email from listener Nathan hey Derek earlier today I was wondering if any movie podcast had covered Hold That Ghost a film that I have loved dearly for as long as I can remember I was hoping to listen to people who shared my enthusiasm for Abbott and Costello's first venture into horror and I definitely got my wish when Google directed me to your terrific podcast it was really enjoyable to hear you and Joe let's be Joe Stuber discuss Hold That Ghost in great detail and to learn so many interesting tidbits and trivia facts of course now I feel embarrassed for not knowing that the doctor was one of the stars of Creature from the Black Lagoon especially since I got a book published last year called Pumpkin Cinema, The Best Movies for Halloween, where I included both of those films as well as Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Anyway, I'm looking forward to checking out other episodes of Monster Kid Radio. It's right up my alley. Happy haunting. Nathan, thank you for listening to the show. Joe Stuber is so good to have on the show when we talk Abbott and Costello, and I'm still bummed that we are out of Abbott and Costello spooky movies to talk about. I am going to have him back on down the line to talk about a Superman movie that has some monsters in it. That'll be a blast to do. See, Joe Stuber isn't just the Abbott and Costello guy. He's also my go-to guy when it comes to comic book stuff. You see, he produces Comic Book Central, and I highly recommend it. I'll play the podcast promo for that later on in the show. Nathan, thank you for writing in. Another email here. This is from Alan Trump. He's another former guest here on the show. Only had him on once last year when we talked about all things Lovecraft. I got to get him back on the show sometime this year. From Alan. Hi, Derek. 
enjoyed the program that you and Tom Bigler did about Arch Obler's The Bubble. Only saw that once on a Sunday TV creature feature. If it seems a little slow to you, imagine watching it in only 2D. An interesting curiosity, though. The first time I heard of Arch Obler's work was because of a friend I had in grade school who kept raving about how scary this album called Drop Dead was. I found a copy for myself years later. Turns out it was Obler narrating some of the scariest sketches from the Lights Out radio show. The Chicken Heart was on there, but the story that really terrified my buddy was called The Dark. In this yarn, two guys find a crazy woman living in a spooky house that has a big hole in the basement floor. In the hole is a strange vapor-like monster that likes to grab victims in its shadowy arms and literally turn them inside out. And the worst part is, you're still alive afterwards. I heard the sound engineers pulled off a latex glove to make the disgusting noise of the people being mutilated. And on that charming note, I bid you adieu. <laughs> Take care and keep up the good work, Alan. Alan, that's awesome. Arch Obler, I think, for my money or my time, I love listening to the Lights Out radio show. I just felt like the bubble missed a little bit, and it sounds like maybe it missed a little bit for you two back in the day. Definitely an interesting curiosity, though. I think that's a great way to put it. Speaking of old-time radio shows, Larry in Missouri wrote in and asked me if I'd ever listened to the old radio shows with Vincent Price as the star in The Saint. He's great, he says. No, I don't think I've actually listened to any of his work on The Saint. I have listened to some episodes of The Price of Fear, which is a little bit later in his career. The last bit of feedback we're going to do in this episode is not an email, but an attachment that came in an email from horror host Lord Bloodraw. He's going to tell us a little bit more about Arch Obler, kind of touch on some things that we've already talked about. Well, it's just cool to listen to. So here we go. Take it away, Lord Bloodraw. Ah, my lords and ladies of the Monster Kid universe and, of course... Lord Derek, Lord Bloodraw here to chime in on your latest episode about the Arch Obler film, The Bubble. Now, I've never seen this film before and I'm very curious to see it because it was written by Arch Obler, who is one of my favorite old-time radio horror writers. <laughs> he did some amazing stuff. Um, he's best known in old-time radio for the show Lights Out. Now, he didn't create the show Lights Out. He took over after Willis Cooper created the show and left. By the way, Willis Cooper left the show to go on to Hollywood and write the screenplay for the classic Son of Frankenstein. <laughs> now, as I say, Arch Obler uh, took over the radio show and with his very first episode, a story called Burial Services, NBC was flooded with letters saying that the show was just too frightening. <laughs> so you gotta love Arch Obler. He's done some amazing stuff. Uh, I've hosted, as a matter of fact, many of the episodes of Lights Out that he wrote on my podcast, Lord Blood Raw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium, which you can find on the Drunken Zombie Podcasting Network, either on iTunes under the Drunken Zombie Podcasting Net Network or at uh, drunkenzombie.com. They've got the entire archives there. You can go, go look for uh, episodes featuring Lights Out episodes. But, oh, some of my favorite stories that he did. Uh, a Knock at the Door. It's truly chilling. Uh, the protective Mr. Drogon. Uh, Poltergeist is amazing. But the one that really chilled me is more or less 
a condensed version of uh, an episode of Lights Out that really doesn't exist anymore. See, these were done in the 30s and 40s, so many of them unfortunately were lost. But it's a condensed version that was released on an album that he did, I believe, in the 60s. And this particular story is called The Dark. And in this story, two ambulance workers, I believe they were, go into this old dark house uh, where they find a cackling, insane old woman cowering in the corner in fear of the dark. And the dark is just this kind of shadowy mass that attacks you, engulfs you, and turns you inside out. (laughs) And by the way, you get to live through the entire experience of being turned inside out and living your life inside out. (laughs) It is truly chilling. Just the description of this man who'd been turned inside out with his organs on the outside, the skin on the inside, was truly horrifying. But you get to hear these people being turned inside out in excruciating detail. That's what I really love about the plays that Arch Arch Obler wrote for Lights Out was his use of sound effects and suspense. Truly, truly amazing. Check out Lights Out. Check out my podcast featuring the episodes of Lights Out. And, Derek, I want to thank you for this podcast. It's one of my favorites. I really love it. And of course, as always, I am Lord Bloodraw saying, uh, geek out. If you have the opportunity to see Lord Bloodraw on TV or listen to him, then you, you got to do it. You can't miss up an opportunity to support a horror host, especially one as cool as Lord Bloodraw. You know, in the email he sent me, he gave me some other listings, TV listings of where he's on television now. So he's on My59 in Peoria, Illinois, My TV in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My 18 in Lansing, Michigan, all Saturday nights at midnight. He's also on public access in his area and on KCTH Comcast 27. He also says he's on VCAT Vallejo 27, and he's trying real hard to get on a commercial station locally. You know, we don't have a local horror host here in our area, so I watch him online, Creepy Castle, or I watch my DVDs, that sort of thing. You can look up Lord Blood Raw online. He mentioned a few places you can find him. He's part of the Drunken Zombie Network. You can find him at Facebook. Or you know what? I'm going to put a link in the show notes to his Facebook page so you can go check that out as well. Thank you for sending that information in. You know, you and Alan mentioned that episode of Lights Out where the person gets turned inside out. I think Scott Morris, who's been on the show quite a bit, has told me about that story in person a couple of times, something that he listened to when he was a kid and it freaked him out. So now I need to go track that down. It sounds awesome. Old time radio, you mentioned using sound effects. I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things about podcasting, listening to new radio dramas, audio dramas. You can go back and listen to the old time radio dramas. You can learn so much and be thrilled so much by the way these sounds are put together. It's just an amazing art form and medium. I highly recommend people check out Lights Out. Like Lord Blood Ross said, it's good stuff. I want to thank you for sending that MP3 in. I want to thank everybody else for the emails. Remember, you can email us again, monsterkidradio at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 4795-MKR. 
let's go ahead and get into part one of our conversation with Roger Cook. Now, when I started chatting with him, I knew we were going to chat about how he met somebody on the set of a horror movie, somebody that's incredibly near and dear to our heart here on Monster Kid Radio. But before all that, well, I thought it would be fair to introduce Roger Cook, Rondo Award-winning artist, to the listeners of Monster Kid Radio. So that's what we're going to get in part one. We're going to get to that right after this. In this remote little country village, the mortal remains of a man are laid to rest. Who is it this time, Peter? It's Mr. Spaulding. They found him this morning. Just like the others. Just like the others, he died in the night. Get away from there! Get away! Suddenly, violently, horribly. This is an evil place. Corrupt and evil. Evil, as venomous as a snake, turns the quiet of this village into a writhing hell on earth. Where every man fears for his safety and his sanity. Where everyone is suspect. Do you mean they died by some sort of magic? Some witchcraft? For the first time in my life, I'm frightened. Everyone is frightened. The doctor who'd lived his life in the East. This man who could be the next victim, this woman, and this girl are frightened, hypnotized by the crawling, creeping spell of the reptiles. Stop! Pack your things, we're leaving. No, Dr. Franklin. You are not leaving. I could kill you. Possibly. But you could never be free then, could you? And what would happen to little Anna then? Trapped like animals in a cage and getting closer and closer, suffocating them with terror. The reptile. comic book fans i'm joe stuber producer and host of comic book central where each and every week i welcome a legendary talent to the comic book central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life greetings true believers this is stan lee when do you think the academy is going to wise up and create a special oscar category for best cameo I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point. She is Erin Gray. Erin, welcome to the show. I ended up being a contract player making, I think it was $600 a week. Gil was doing great. He was making the big bucks. You got the posters, though. You got <laughs> yes. the posters. Come I on. look better in white spandex. What can I say? Hey, this is Michael Rosenbaum. Lex Luthor from Smallville. Make sure you listen to this guy's show. Sounds like a good guy. People should listen to you, Joe. Catch the very latest episodes at the website, comicbookcentral.net. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, like it on Facebook, follow it on Twitter, and be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central. This is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book... Comic Book... Comic Book Central where comic books come to life. Excelsior! Listen to William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. And you will, too, when you come to this theater and see my picture, 13 Ghosts, 
Uh, no more dictation today. When you see 13 ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer like this, which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. It will let you see all 13 of our weird, wonderful, and wildly assorted ghosts. Now, brace yourself as we take you across the threshold of our haunted mansion where there's a ghost for everyone in the family. Father, mother, sister, brother. You'll be scared stiff too when you see what they see. Thirteen ghosts materializing in ectoplasmic color through the magic of Illusiono, the ghost viewer. The ghost of a lion in the basement. The ghost of a murderous cook in the kitchen. Stop it! Stop it, I say! The ghost who speaks through the lips of the living. Death tonight to one of you. The evil ghost in the bedroom fighting to take possession of this beautiful girl. You'll feel all the thrills and chills of seeing one ghost multiplied by the magic number 13. Radio listeners, I'm excited to have this next person on the show for a couple of different reasons. One, he pronounces his last name the correct way. Uh, and two, <laughs> he's a longtime monster kid, a longtime fan of these movies. And well, you know, I'm just going to add a third one on there. He's a Rondo Award winning artist. Roger Cook, welcome to Monster Kid Radio. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here and a real pleasure, Derek. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a little while. We have a mutual friend, uh, Dr. Gay Green, Larry Underwood, and he told oh, yeah. me that I really needed to reach out to you and talk to you about some of your experiences having watched some production of some movies that are, well, relevant to what we do here on Monster Kid Radio. So I, thank you for taking the time to meet with us today. My pleasure. Now, before we get into the movie, though, I want to talk a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, I mentioned you're an artist. People who follow you on Facebook are lucky enough to see you post regular artwork of artists or actors and actresses of, uh, from these movies that we love so much. How long have you been an artist? That's a good question. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I, I drew a lot, mm -hmm. and I was encouraged by an art teacher. Uh, my parents were encouraged to take me to send me to art school, which they didn't. Mm -hmm. And then I got away from it, and uh, I went all the way through high school. I would occasionally do an occasional poster, you know, like uh, that had art involved, like for history or something. But uh, I went all through college, and I never drew. I went all through. I went. I had three years in the Peace Corps, and I wasn't drawing. And it was, wasn't until after I got back, after you know the experience that we'll be talking about here. A friend of mine, whose name is Robert Taylor, you may know him. Mm -hmm. uh, he's very, very much into arts and crafts, and a monster kid as well. 
yeah, he uh, he inspired me to to start doing some drawing and painting, and and I did, and uh, that's where I started, and I did until finally, uh, it's too long of a story. I'll just break it down quickly. My wife and I got disgusted with our jobs, and we were both able to draw and paint, so we just uh, opened up an art gallery. <laughs> moved away. We were in Cincinnati, and we moved to Indiana, and, and for a while I tried to make a living at it, sure. doing portraits and things like that. My real love was doing the movie stuff and the monster stuff, but there wasn't any really market for that. And this, this neck of the woods, they like pictures of covered bridges drawn on saws. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just decided finally to, to give it up. I got discouraged, and I even threw some of my monster work away. And oh, it wasn't no. until, oh yeah, and it wasn't until after the internet came along and I was on the uh, message board, classic horror film board, that uh, my daughter was here one time and she just was rummaging through some cupboards, closets up here, and she found a bunch of my artwork and she uh, took pictures of it and uh, encouraged me to post it on the classic horror film board, which I did, and I started getting nice responses and that encouraged me. So I took it up again. So after about over a 30-year period of not doing anything, there I was again. And this time, since I wasn't trying to make any money from it, I, I was free. I was free to just do whatever I wanted. So, of course, I did the, the movie stuff. And I pretty much still am doing that. I love following you on Facebook because I get to see, you know, whatever you're either working on or some portraitures that you've done or portraits that you've done in the past, that sort of thing. Most of it is monster-related. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, you'll post something like, uh, you know, this portrait you did of Elvis on his birthday or something like that, but sure. most of it's monsters. What is it about the classic monsters that inspires people like you, like me, to create art based on this stuff? I think it's just that I just fell in love with the, the movies as a kid. I saw good ones that got a good time, and then uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland came along, and, and I got onto that, uh, got interested in that. And it, it just helped me. It just helped me. I had a kind of a difficult uh, childhood, a lot of moving and stuff like that. And it helped me. It just uh, helped me get through a lot of hard stuff. You know, I saw things like House on Haunted Hill in a Merjo. <laughs> you know, I'm that old. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I saw the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms at about age six. Oh, and, wow. Uh, Seven Four Age of Sinbad in a big theater downtown in Cincinnati, you know, at uh, about age 11. And then, of course, a lot of the Hammer films. I missed a lot of them because, you know, back then, as a kid, and I, I had to have an adult take me to movies. <laughs> the, we, there wasn't a, a neighborhood theater that I could, like, walk to or they could drop me off at. So I, mm -hmm. I had to depend upon parents or aunts or grandparents to get me to some of those. So some of them I missed and didn't see until later on when I grew up. But I saw enough of them <laughs> for it to make me a monster kid, that's for sure. I think we're lucky that we live in an age now where there's so many of these on DVD and Blu-ray or streaming or YouTube or who knows where else. It's nice to have them all at our fingertips pretty much now, but I, I, I still I hear stories like yours or other people that I've had on the show or other friends when they tell me that they've seen these movies when they were growing up in the theater, and I'm insanely jealous. I mean, to see something like... Well, you said House of Haunted Hill and Emerjo. Mm -hmm. I'm Vincent Price, and you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? 
You'll see human heads without bodies. Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. You know, it might be nice to kick back in my slippers and in my easy chair in my living room and watch a movie on DVD, but to go to a theater and have that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My father took me. He didn't like it because he thought it was too short. <laughs> but I loved it. You know, I, I was also taken to see things like uh, in a the theater, like big downtown theaters and, well, when they first opened, uh, mm-hmm. like The Incredible Shrinking Man and oh, man. Creature from the Black Lagoon. And, oh, you're killing me uh, here, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were good days. I mean, and you continue to watch these movies now. What, what are some of your favorites? If people wanted to know what makes Roger tick, what, what are some of the monster movies you steer them toward? Well, I've already named a bunch of them. Yeah, it sounds like a couple of them already came off the top of your head. You mentioned Creature, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love them all, really. Sure, it's hard to pick a favorite. When I do artwork, I don't just do the classics. I do some of the more obscure ones, too, because... Uh, I just have fun with just about everything. I uh, reached out to you a little while ago uh, because you had posted a piece of artwork from Destination Inner Space. I mean, so, <laughs> listeners, when he says obscure, he means obscure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that, that's a particular favorite of mine as well. We talked about that here on the show with a couple of people, and then you posted that up. It's like, that's this is perfect. <laughs> I love the the color in that. This the style of artwork is this pastel? Is this what is your style? I, I use several different mediums. Uh, uh, when I first started out, I did larger ones, and they were pastels. I worked on an easel, okay. and I used uh, large paper, and uh, all they were all pastels. Nowadays, I do smaller work. Uh, even with the hard pastels, I sharpen them with the razor blades or an exacto knife. Now, it's easier when you're working small. I do a lot of uh, charcoal pencil. Ah. And then I'll I'll put the pastels, I'll, I'll do a lot of the coloring. If, if I'm doing a color piece, then I'll use the pastels. There's a lot of charcoal pencil in there, too. Okay. Some of the recent stuff I've done, have, have been, I've tried uh, colored pencils as well. Some of them are a combination of charcoal, colored pencils, and pastels. I also get, a, get into a little bit of uh, acrylic painting. I don't do oils anymore. I, I did when I first started out way back. But I gave up oils, too messy, and I couldn't do it right now. I, I just I have to work off the monitor, so I'm just sitting at my desk that has the computer and the monitor, and I'm just basically doing my artwork, just sitting there, just kind of holding it on my lap. It's just kind of an odd way to <laughs> to do artwork. But you know, when you're on a low budget, you make the best of what you got. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of like the Ed Wood or Roger Corman of art. <laughs> well, the quality's there. Like I said, I follow you on Facebook, and you know, as of this recording, the most recent thing that you've posted was a, a piece of artwork from the Reptile, which you mentioned Hammer earlier, uh-huh. which is another you know, type of film that's near and dear to my heart. So oh, yes. it's pretty wonderful work. Yeah, I love the hammers. My first one, I didn't realize it was a hammer then, but I saw The Creeping Unknown, which was Quatermass experiment. Oh, nice. You can't escape it. Maggie, look. Nothing can destroy it. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the Earth. Beware of The Creeping Unknown. This woman is about to learn a terrible secret. 
she will never be the same again. Because this man knows that same secret, he will never speak again. To both of them has come terror in the form of the creeping unknown. men went into outer space. Only one of them came back. Came back a strange, distorted creature, haunted and possessed by something beyond human understanding. What was the terrible secret he could not tell them? There's a hole in the world out there, a wilderness, uncharted. And he's been there and come back. He's got the map. Unlock his mind for me, Briscoe, and find it. I know you can do it. It isn't just a I know the strain and tension you've been under, but to stop now when we're so close, Brian Donlevy, he dared an experiment that shocked a nation. You've destroyed him like you've destroyed everything else you've touched, Kent. There's no room for personal feelings in science, Judith. An experiment that created the creeping unknown. I want to call around the entire area, evacuate all public, get information to check up every movement that's likely to take place inside this radius tonight. Yes, sir. Warn everyone not to touch anything unusual they may find in the streets. But the first time I it hit me that these were called Hammer movies was when I saw the original double bill in a huge downtown theater of The Curse of Frankenstein and X the Unknown. Oh, wow. I came out of that with the, the word Hammer and, of course, Peter Cushing <laughs> permanently, <laughs> permanently with me. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. You mentioned Peter Cushing, and I'm there, so... <laughs> yeah. I'll mention him again later on in our talk. I didn't meet him, but... I'm looking forward to that. Now, <laughs> yeah. we've been Facebook friends for a little while. Uh, like I said, Larry introduced me to you. And then we passed each other a little bit. We didn't get a chance to talk too much. But no. you were at the last year's Monster Bash, and that was your first bash, wasn't it? That was, yes. Yeah, it was my first bash as well. What an amazing convention. It was. I just had the time of my life. It was just wonderful oh man i've been wanting to go for that to that for years i've been hearing about yep. it on other podcasts and magazines yes, and Monster Bash magazine. yeah what an amazing time what were some of the highlights for you oh i mean there were just so many i mean i think seeing my i think the biggest thing about it for me was watching my young grandson having a good time you know and relating oh, nice. to everything it just he was just he was just having a wonderful time. Oh, I loved seeing the old stars Charles Herbert and <laughs> Beverly Washburn. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm a pretty good friend now with uh, uh, Kyra Schoen, and I was happy to see her again. I had first met her at a closer convention, mm -hmm. the first uh, Famous Monsters convention that they had back in I think in 2012 or 2011, maybe 2010. I can't remember. That's when I met her, and we became friends. That was a, another big highlight for me. All the celebrity guests at Monster Bash were just so approachable. And I know that you've done mm -hmm. other conventions. I've done other conventions over the years. Monster Bash for me was it, man. I got to find a way to go back. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was just so nice. I know. So. We would have been going back, but my daughter's pregnant again, so <laughs> she's going to be having a baby about that time. So uh, hopefully someday we'll get get back there again. If you do. And I do. I want to spend a few more minutes with you, just kind of chatting in person, maybe buy you a cup of coffee or something, because you've given me so yes. much enjoyment on Facebook oh, with your thanks. artwork and all that. And 
and you, you, we've said off mic that you're quite the talker, and I hear you've got some wonderful stories, and that's kind of what I want to talk about here. <laughs> so I'm talking to Larry the other day, and he says, you know, you should talk to Roger. He was on the set of Madhouse. I'm like, what? He <laughs> said a great story about talking, meeting Vincent Price. My my jaw dropped. I'm like, well, I've got to get him on the show then, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He met Vincent Price on the set of Madhouse. Uh-huh. Let that sink in. I'm just going to let that kind of hang there for a second. That's awesome. So Roger told me the story about how he met Vincent Price. You're going to hear that in part two. So you got to come back here in a couple of days for that conversation. It runs long because it's one hell of a story. He's got a lot of great stuff that he's sharing with us. I didn't want to cut him off. I could have just let him go, I mean, for hours, but... We don't have an hour-long podcast here. So, again, check out his book, Roger Cook, A Life in Pictures. That's on Amazon. Or follow the link in the show notes at monsterkidradio.net. Between now and then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license, except for the song... Torque Fest. That belongs to the Surf Zombies. It's on their album Lust for Rust. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. <laughs> 